Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're still in the interlude, uh, waiting for the battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. But in the meantime, we get a little bit of what David does as he was sent home. He doesn't get to partake in that major battle. So David returns to find his, his home pillaged. Chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept, until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in Yahweh his God. And Abiathar, uh, David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of Yahweh, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall overtake, and shall surely rescue. So David set out on the six hundred men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men. Two hundred stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. My master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites, and against that which belongs to Judah, and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me, or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. When he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought all back. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow David, and who had been left at the brook Bezor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone out with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, 
with what Yahweh has given to us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of Yahweh. It was for those in Bethel, and Ramoth of the Negev, and Jatir, and Aroer, and Sifmoth, and Eshtemoah, and Rakal, in the cities of the Jeremielites, in the cities of the Kenites, and Hormah, and Bor Ashan, and Athak, and Hebron, and for all the places where David and his men had roamed. This is the word of the Lord. So again, David was rejected by the Philistine lords. They didn't want David traveling with them to fight against Israel, and so they sent him home. He and his 600 men had been living in the city of Ziklag, and by the time they get there, which took three days, so it was a decent walk, the Amalekites had destroyed their home. Burn the, burn the city to the ground taken all their their wives and their children with them. We can make a note of thanks here in verse 2 that they did not kill the people. Contrary to what David did in his raids. That's interesting to note. But now, as we look at that section, how would you respond? And think of that for yourself. Ask your children... You know, if, if if an enemy came to your home and destroyed it and took everything from you, what would your response be? The response of David and his men will be sadness, great sorrow, weeping, and then going out and seeking to, well, I think you could say fairly revenge get their revenge against the Amalekites, and also recover their families. As we look at that situation for David and his men, they wept until they had no more strength to weep. That's a a lot of weeping. Some of you may have experienced that in your life where you cry and you cry and you cry and you finally get to that point where you can't even cry anymore. You just can't. That's where they are and they're mourning and they're sorrow over this. Verse 6, in their great distress, the people turn their backs on David. They're willing to stone him to death. They believe that their leader, the one that they had risked their lives to follow, has failed them. In the midst of that, having just lost his wives, having lost his home, and now having the the men that serve him turn against him, David, as you can imagine, he was already filled with great sorrow. Now these men turn against him. This is is about as low as he can probably go. He's going to have a moment later in life that's going to probably rival this. But for now, this is, this is low. 
And so we have the end of verse six, David strengthened himself in Yahweh, his God. How did David respond to this despair? He turned to the Lord. He looked to the Lord for his strength. Now, this is extreme importance to us today. I went through a moment myself just a few nights ago, overwhelmed by the way things were going around me, really feeling that despair. And I just sat down with one of my daughters in my arms, opened up. Well, it wasn't a hymn, though. It wasn't the book form. I have it on my computer digitally. I opened up the hymns, and I just started singing hymns from the section on trust. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know where else to turn. So I sang praises to the Lord. I pray that he will care for me and for my family even when I can't. He has promised to provide. So that conversation in your family would be an incredibly beneficial conversation to have. What does it look like for us when we are down, when we are despairing? What does it look like for us to strengthen ourselves in Yahweh our God? Prayer, singing, thanksgiving, those kinds of things are going to be a part of that conversation. Trust in the Lord above all things is another big piece of that. But in your family, it'll look It'll likely look a little different than it did for me the other night. Um, there's not a right or wrong answer if your trust is in the Lord. Verse 7, we see David do something for the second time in the book. He did it in chapter 23, verse 9. He asks Abiathar for the ephod in order to cast lots. The ephod housed the Urim and the Thummim, uh, those two stones that they would use to really seek out the Holy Spirit's guidance. And so he inquires of God and God answers. That contrasts in the previous chapter, well, two chapters ago, as Saul had inquired of the Lord about the battle with the Philistines and the Lord did not respond. But the Lord is responding to David. And God gives him his blessing to go about doing this, this task. As we look to verse 9, we get the, the reference of the brook Bezor. Uh, Bezor is well, a brook. It runs from the Mediterranean Sea out to the southwesternmost part of what we would now consider, well, what we would consider the land of Israel for most of the Israel, its time as a nation. It's part of Philistia at this point in history. It's right there from really kind of the corner of the Mediterranean Sea, and it moves southeast across a map up into more of a mountainous region, part of it going near Beersheba um, in the northeast, and then stretching fairly far down south as well. Uh, so the Brook Bazor covers a lot of territory. It's just a guess here. I'm pretty sure it probably runs from that mountain down into the Mediterranean Sea. It seems like a good educated guess. Uh, I kind of described it at first the other direction. So just worth mentioning. So that's where they are, um, still in Philistine territory at this point in time. And they find an Egyptian 
And we see in verse 11 and 12, their great amount of care for a stranger. Hospitality is one of the gifts that God gives to his people and asks his people to show to one another. Uh, And so they do well here in caring for this man, especially when they find out that this man is one of those who helped raid their, their city. And yet they care for him. His master had left him for dead. And what does David do? He takes him in. A major contrast right there. And the the young man who is not named for us even mentions God. Um, Now, he doesn't mention Yahweh, as we noted with Akish before. So whether this is the God of David or if this is one of his own gods as an Egyptian, can't answer that question here. But he's willing to do what he has to do to survive. We see that. He's willing to rat out his own people who have just abandoned him um, in order to survive. We get to the next verse. The Amalekites were eating and drinking and dancing. They're celebrating. They're in plunder celebration mode, party mode at this point. They attacked God's people. We see that from the land of Judah there in verse 16. And also the servant up in the, the previous paragraph had mentioned that, that they had attacked that which belongs to Judah in verse 14. David strikes them down. He goes to battle against them. In verse 19, David brought back all, everything. He recovered everything that had belonged to them before. Um, We can contrast here with with verse 6, as the people are now rejoicing. This is David's spoil. They're they're happy. Um, Such a contrast to verse 6, where they were ready to kill him. As we get into the next paragraph, starting in verse 21, we see the greed of the soldiers as they wanted to keep all the spoils for themselves. These other men didn't risk their lives in battle like we did. Why should they get the share? And David lays out that everyone shares of it. I think this is a good conversation for a family to have. Is this fair? Our culture deals a lot about fairness. God's word doesn't really concern itself so much with fairness. Really, this example, this conversation even reminds me of the parable of the workers in the vineyard that you can find in the New Testament as Jesus is teaching. And you've got the the owner of the vineyard, who in that parable is God, going out into the vineyard in the, well, into the marketplace in the morning, first thing in the morning, finding workers uh, who then work the whole day in his vineyard. And nine, at the third hour, he goes out, finds some more. Sixth hour, finds some more. The ninth hour, he finds some more. And even at the eleventh hour, so five o'clock in the evening, he goes out, he finds some more workers, and he hires them too. So he's been hiring people throughout the day. They've all worked different lengths of time. And when it comes time to pay them, he pays them all the same. The gifts of God are so incredible that you will, in paradise, you won't care how much you have. This is very distinct from our covetous, sinful natures that we have now. But we see a bit of a glimpse of that here. And David phrases it in a way like that. He says, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what Yahweh has given us. David's words here, this this battle, the, the spoil that we just got... That's not ours. We didn't earn it. We didn't get this. God got it for us. And we should treat it as a gift. 
That's good faith right there. We've seen, again, we've seen several examples of not faithfulness out of David. So we want to point out this faithful one as well. This was good for him to say, he preserved us. He gave our enemy into our hand. Very good for him uh, to speak this way, to try and speak of faith to his soldiers. And then he also shares with those he loved back in Judah, some of the elders in the different locations where they had been. Verse 26, he sent part of the spoil to his friends. In verse 29, we see the mention of the Jeremielites and the Kenites. It's just interesting to bring those up real quick because David had lied to the king of Akish saying those he had raided those two communities. And so they've recently shown up in the book. Tomorrow we will finish the book of 1 Samuel. We're covering the death of King Saul.